0: talkative group today come on in take a seat our monthly theme is on hearing God learning to hear the voice of God if you think about it one of the most basic claims of Christianity is that God is that God exists. But that God exists and he relates to and actually speaks to people. All through the Bible you see phrases like, and God said. Go into the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. What's the, one of the first words you see? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. You go to the end of the book. Go to the way end of your Bible. And it says, and he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. From beginning to end, you see God speaking to people. If you're not really careful, if you are one of those people who read through the Bible every year, perhaps, or read portions of it, if you're not careful, you're going to get the idea that God might actually want to speak to you but isn't that kind of the nature of relationship? If you're in relationship with someone, isn't communication kind of important? Um, Not too long ago, I took a hearing test. Any of you guys ever take a hearing test? Yeah. I took a hearing test. I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive, but I think it was at the behest of my wife. Um, She thought I had a hearing problem. Uh, I took the test, and it turns out I hear just fine. But in the test, they found out that there was a deeper underlying problem, and it actually has a name. It's called auditory selective hearing. <laughs> what it means is that I am a focused individual. and That's a good thing, by the way. That, that's a gift. It means that what I am doing, I put the totality of my attention upon it. So if I'm sitting in my living room and I'm on my phone playing a game or I'm watching TV or I'm eating, that's not the time to try to talk to me. She she would say she hasn't found a good time to try to talk to me yet, but that's not true. There are times that you can talk to me and that I can actually hear. Uh, I tend to, like all of us, filter out what we consider extraneous noise. Things that are not somehow important to us in that moment. Um, And when I do hear her, I got to tell you, I don't always understand her. I don't understand what she's mean. Kind of like this guy that's on the screen here. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. I mean, she says, I think you need a hearing test like my wife. He says, why the heck do I need a hairy chest? Uh, That's kind of what it's like sometimes for me with my wife and being able to hear. After 38 and a half years of marriage, I have learned that there are two things that every man needs to know about a woman. And no one knows what they are. So if you figure out what they are, let me know. All right? But think about it. If I have that much trouble communicating with Karen Jane Lonneville, Jane's not really her middle name. We just made it up. She doesn't have a middle name. If if after 38 and a half years of marriage to her and longer in our dating and courtship, we still sometimes have trouble communicating, why should it surprise you that you have problems sometimes communicating with an invisible God who's very much real, very present, but you can't always see him? And sometimes, just like with my wife, His voice can be difficult to discern. Uh, Frankly, I have to tell you up front, and I know this is going to bother a couple of you, and if it is, I wasn't going to say that out (laughs) loud. (coughs) I am a little bit leery. I'm a little bit skeptical of people who say they always hear a clear word from God. Because Paul made it very clear. We see in part, we hear in part, we know in part. No one gets it perfect every single time. And when someone comes to me and they constantly are saying, and God said, God told me to do this. After a while, I get a little bit cautious about that because no one hears that perfectly. And these same people who think they hear from God that regularly, when it comes to pastors and leaders, they amp it up a whole lot. I mean, some people think I have a red phone sitting on my desk, just like a bat phone, except for it's the God phone. And God sends me regular texts and updates for my day and tells me exactly what to say and what to do. And I have to tell you, it's not like that for me or anybody I know. All of us get confused sometimes about the voice of God. All of us... Think, maybe, is it God, is it me? All of us have those thoughts and feelings at times. And so what I want to talk to you about is the fact that I believe, on the other hand, God does speak to us. I believe that there are times when God has spoken to me so clearly that I had no doubt that it was God. It was about 28 years ago or so that my wife and I were driving from this place where we had been invited to come and give some counsel. And that's all we were invited to do, come and give some counsel to the elders. We were driving down the road, and we got to Pavilion, right at the intersection there at the light. And when we got to the intersection, I heard a voice say, you're going to be the pastor of that church. It was, I would almost say it was audible. It was that loud inside of my spirit. I turned to my wife and I said, what did you say? She said, I didn't say anything. And I didn't say anything more. Just went on with life. But that was a time that I knew in my heart of hearts, God had spoken to me. And there are other times when you, too, know that the impression that you have in your heart is really from God. One of the places we can know that God speaks, by the way, is in his word. So, would you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, and we are going to have a special reader with us this morning, Luke chapter 8, and we are going to begin reading at verse 4. So, if you would give ear to the word of the Lord that is going to come to you through the voice of Jocelyn. Follow along, if you would, Luke chapter 8 and verse 4.
1: Good ground sprang up and it, yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he said these things, he cried, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Then the disciples asked him, saying, "What does this parable mean?" And he said, "To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand." Now the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones. who Hear the devil who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fall among the thorns are those who, when have they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fall who have
0: heard the word of a noble and good heart keep it and there is no for it. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Says in verse 8 if you look at it, verse 8. He who has ears to hear let him hear. That's I believe God's call to all of us. It starts with desire. It starts with an intentional conscious purposeful choice. Do you truly believe that God still speaks and that he speaks to you as his child? Most often when God speaks, it's not shouting from the rooftops. It's whispering in the stillness of your heart. It's less about flashing neon billboard signs like this and far more about impressions. And I want you to hear this because we're going to develop this next week. It's far more about how God created and hardwired you. God speaks to you based upon the way he made you so that you can hear and discern his voice. Now, in the passage we just read, there are four kinds of soils, but then Jesus actually interprets the parable for us, and he says the four kinds of soils reflect four attitudes of heart That people have. So, what I want to do this morning, as quickly as I can, but I want to make sure we get through this well, is I want to talk to you about those four attitudes of heart and ways in which we can learn to hear God speak. So, the first thing that I want to talk about number one, if you're taking notes, follow along. We must work and foster a receptive and seeking heart. That's the first thing. If you want to hear the voice of God, you must first believe that it happens and you must curry something within your own soul that says, I want it. I want to hear the voice of God. There has to be something in us that so values our relationship with God that we will go to whatever ends are necessary in order for us to learn how to hear his voice. Now, uh, how many of you have ever taken up an instrument? Okay. Uh, years ago, my dad played guitar in a country western band. He was the lead guitarist. He would play steel guitar as well. Uh, he would play bass, whatever they needed at the time. But he was the basically leader of the band. Well, his, his intent was that we would learn how. Well, I got to tell you, if you've ever taken up guitar, it's not as easy as they make it look. It's really not. Um, I can remember looking at my dad, and the way my dad learned, by the way. This is before his uh, Christian days. My dad would go to the bars where old-time country western stars were playing, like Chet Atkins and those kind of guys. He would go and he would watch their finger position to learn how to place his fingers on the guitar. But we would start learning how to play, and my dad would take my fingers and literally put it, and it was like you're getting cramps in your fingers, and your fingers aren't made to go that way. My fingers go like this, not like... You know, it's just, it's weird. Well, in the same way, learning how to hear the voice of God when you start out can feel awkward and difficult and is that God or isn't it God? But it starts with a desire, an openness, a desire to hear the voice of God knowing that he wants to speak to you in a way that you can hear. It starts out in verse five. He says, he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. And then he interprets it in verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. So they hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts that lest they should believe and be saved. He uses a farming illustration. Some of you guys would be familiar. Uh, how many of you guys remember the old seed spreaders that used to actually wear a harness around you and you had like a big bag with seed in it and it had a little crank wheel and it would spread around? That's the kind of thing that he's talking about. Now, maybe they didn't have that exactly. Maybe they just cast it with their hands. But he's talking about a farmer who's walking down a row and as he's going, he's casting seed. And it says, some fell on the path, on the wayside. And it says, as it fell it got trampled by the hard things of life. Other seed fell in the same place, but the birds of the air came and they stole it. And he says, the birds of the air are the devil or the demons of hell, the lies that they plant in your minds that you would be able to say, well, I don't really think that's God. I don't think God does that. I don't think God speaks like that. And the voice of God then can't take root and allow the enemy and our own logic Our own rationale to just kind of blow it away and say, well, I guess that wasn't God. That was just me. That was the pizza I ate last night giving me weird thoughts. Something's going on that makes it as if somehow it's not God when, in fact, God did speak. There are some people that I grew up with in a tradition that I was a part of, which, by the way, I love and honor dearly. But within the tradition that I grew up, it was not uncommon to hear the leadership say, God has said everything that he will ever need to say, and it's in the Word of God. It's in the Bible. Well, I want to suggest to you that there are some things the Bible does not address directly. It doesn't tell you necessarily what car to buy. It doesn't tell you necessarily who to marry. There are principles that I think we need to get from the Word of God about those issues. But when it comes to making the actual decision about this car or that car, I think it's a good time for us to actually believe that maybe God can still speak to us. And he not only can, he wants to. Um, What are the things that cause us, what are the things that he references here that cause us to have a closed mind? I believe, number one, the first is pride. When I think I know what to do myself, I don't need help from anybody, I'm a grown-up. I make my own decisions. I don't need to pray about this. In fact, can I suggest to you, whenever you have the thought or you even have the temerity to say, I don't need to pray about this, you're in trouble. There's a story in um, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm not going to read it to you. But the story is about David, who was, again, a beloved of God. And, And David was in a situation in which the Philistines had come out to attack him. And David has an army. The Philistines have an army. The Philistines are attacking. What should you do when being attacked? You should go to battle, right? But David doesn't. The scripture says David went before the presence of the Lord and he said, shall we go up against them? He prayed and God said, yes, go up. They defeated the Philistines. Great, you heard from God, it worked. Two verses later, the scripture says the Philistines came up yet again. And you would think, David now has a pattern. God had said, go up, so go up and fight. But David doesn't. David goes back to God and says, God, should I go up again? And get this, God said this time, no, don't go up. I want you instead to go around by the mulberry trees. Go around the back way. And you wait until you hear me blow the wind through the trees. And at that point, you will attack them from the rear. You see, we tend to think, well, what God did before, he's going to do this time too. Well, maybe, but maybe God has a different plan. And whenever we, in pride, think we already know what to do, I mean, I've been here before, I know what to do, you get yourself in trouble. Pride is one of the things that closes our minds. And by the way, uh, it's something that God has just been really burning into my heart lately, is this idea that a lot of Christians live their lives as if all they've got out of God is fire insurance. Like, God has saved me enough to get me to heaven, but the rest of my normal life, I just live like everybody else. When the truth is, God intended that his spirit and his life would live in and through you every moment of every day. God wants to be actively involved in your everyday life, in what you do for your job, how you comport your business, how you speak in your home. All of that ought to be reflected because the life of Christ is in you. So the first reason why we end up with closed minds is pride. The second reason is fear. Sometimes we're afraid of what God might say to us. What if God says for me to do something I don't want to do? Kind of like this picture here. I know you can't see it well, but on the left is a pastor all alone, and it says sermon series, what God has said. On the right it says sermon series, what would you rather hear? And that's often kind of what we do. Um, when I was in Bible school back uh, a couple of years ago, um, it was not uncommon for people to be talking about a call to world missions, to go overseas and to lay your life down as a sacrifice for God. And there were some far-off places that back in our day, before we actually could get on a plane and fly there in a few hours and fly back home in a few hours, Back in those days, the missionaries would come home, and they would talk about getting on a ship and a three-month journey to get there, and how they would pack all of their belongings in a casket to take with them and say, Mom, Dad, the next time you see me, it's going to be in this casket that they ship home. So it was kind of daunting as a teenager to go to Bible school and to hear them talk about that kind of thing. And so most of us didn't want to go someplace where we'd have to suffer a lot, you know, like... Where? Indonesia? Africa? I don't know. We didn't want to go to some place where you had to suffer, like have headhunters cut your head off or anything like that. So we played reverse psychology with God. Have you ever done that? Where you tell God something the opposite of what you really mean, thinking you can fool God? So we would go to the altar and we would pray and we would say, Oh God, please send me to Indonesia as if somehow God is stupid enough to fall for our reverse psychology. But we figured if we could trick God, God would let us stay home and meet a beautiful young lady and have our own family and live in the comfort of the United States. But it was all born out of fear. We didn't really want to hear God because what if God told us to do something hard that we really didn't want to do? So there's pride, there's fear. And the third reason why we have a closed mind is often bitterness. There are some of you, even here today probably, who have been hurt by the way in which God has chosen to run the affairs of your life. Things haven't gone the way you expected. You've been wounded. Things have gone in a hard way for you. Maybe for you, you had a loved one that was ill and you prayed for them to be healed. And in your heart of hearts, you thought, God, if there's anybody who should be healed, it should be this loved one because they love you desperately and we desperately need them. Won't you heal them? And in your heart, you actually thought God had said he would heal them. And then your loved one died. Over my years as a believer, I've had it happen again and again and again. And what can happen in the heart of Christians is they become angry and resentful and bitter towards God because it didn't happen the way they thought it should. And you close your heart off and say, what's the point of praying? I prayed and it didn't happen. Now, let me just say to you, first of all, if that's happened to you, I truly am sorry for the pain that this world causes. This is a fallen world and hard things happen. And it's not God's fault that hard things happen. It came as a result of the fall of man and sin entering our world. But hard things do happen. And does God sometimes heal people? Yes, he does. I've seen God heal people. God has healed me. But I've also seen people who I love dearly go home to be with him. And I have to rest secure in, when I am struggling with stuff, the safest place for me is not running away from God because of bitterness. It's running to God with my pain. He says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So there are things that are mentioned even in this parable that can cause us to have a closed mind. And the first thing that we have to do is have an open heart and mind. Cultivate a desire to hear the voice of God. Number two, really quickly, we must make time and take time to hear the voice of God. Generally speaking, I believe that most of us are too busy and too preoccupied with stuff. Uh, we rarely take time to slow down, to be quiet. We rarely take time to plan time for hearing God into our schedule. Now think about it. What kinds of things do you guys put into your schedule? You put all kinds of dates. You put your dentist appointments. You put your doctor's appointments. You put vacations. You put workouts. You put all of that into your schedule. How many of you actually put time for God into your schedule? I'm not talking about it just happening. That's wonderful when it just happens serendipitously. How about actually scheduling it like you do so many other things? where you Whether for you, maybe you're an early morning person and you want to get up and have time with God earlier. Or maybe for you it's a late night person. I don't know what's the best time for you. But do you schedule time for God? American Demographics Magazine, I think it was, said frozen. You hear this, by the way. This is just mind-boggling to me. Frozen concentrated juice, they say, is going the way of the dinosaur. They say within a very short time, you won't find it in a store anymore. And the reason is no patron wants to wait for it to have to thaw. That's what they said. In fact, the Postal Service, I I don't know how many of you guys have ever, ever done this. Do you know the Postal Service has overnight delivery now? Did you know that? You can pay extra and you can get overnight delivery. That's not good enough anymore. Now, when people are ordering, they want a drone to deliver to them the same day, preferably within an hour or two. We are so busy with so many things, we don't have time to give to God. We're in the middle of running out the door to take our kids to their next sporting event or their next appointment or their next school event. And as we're running out the door, we're saying, God, I need a word from you, but you better speak pretty fast because I'm in a hurry. And we do that all the time. It says in verse 6, some seed fell on the rocks and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. He interprets it in verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, and get this, by the way, every one of them have a hearing element. They heard. When they hear, they receive the word with joy, but these have no root. If you have a Bible, underline that. No root. Who believe for a while... And in the time of temptation, fall away. So, in our first one, the hardened soil represents a closed mind. In this one, the rocky soil or the shallow soil represents superficial minds. It's interesting, by the way, that the word that Jesus uses, he says, in a time of temptation, that word temptation is the word parasmus in the Greek. And it literally means pandering or soliciting our attention. And there's a whole lot of things that are vying for our attention, trying to distract us from the things of God. And it says, when they heard, they were excited. They received it with joy. But because they have no root, it withers quickly and dies. The United States Air Force did a study a couple of years ago and found that we forget 90 to 95% of everything we hear within 72 hours. Let me say that again. We forget between 90 and 95% of everything we hear within 72 hours. I can't think of a more abysmal stat for every pastor to have to know. To know that every bit of work we put into making our messages biblical and relevant to life is forgotten by Wednesday. Shoot, sometimes by Wednesday, I can't even remember what I preached on. I have an excuse. I preach a whole lot of messages. Oh, wait, you have an excuse. You had to hear them. But we forget so easily the things that God has given to us. That's why, by the way, when someone gives a prophetic word to you or when there's a message or sermon, we recommend you write it down. Make notes. Because the shortest pencil still has a longer memory than yours. The verse says, in verse 13, they receive the word with joy, but they have no root, and they only believe for a while. In other words, they don't retain it. They don't keep it. Jesus is saying, and I want you to hear this, you can be thrilled in a moment of time in any service without being transformed by a lifetime. What we want is not mere information that titillates us. What we want is transformation of our souls. I want to be changed more and more into the image of God. I've been a pastor now for a while, and over these years I've heard a lot of people boast about how long they've been a Christian. Some have been a Christian for 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they will boast about it. Some of them will even stand strong and say, I've been a Christian longer than you, so therefore what I think ought to go. I would suggest to you how long you've been a Christian doesn't matter. It's how has your life been transformed into the image of Jesus. Because I don't care how old you get, you can still be an old, cranky old man. Are you more and more like Jesus? Cultivate an open mind, allocate time to listen, and number three, which is very similar, but it's different in its own right. Number three, we have to get rid of distractions. Get rid of distractions. And maybe you can't see this, but this is a cool guy who says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me from John 10, 27. But over here he says, I wonder why I don't hear from the shepherd anymore. While he's got his TV on, his radio on, his laptop out. He's got everything going at once. And he says, I'm wondering why I'm not hearing from God. Is it possible that he's a little distracted? So often we miss hearing the voice of God because we're so distracted with other things things. Our minds are cluttered, if you think about it. As much, I I just recently went through my closet a little bit, just a little bit. I didn't even do the whole closet. I just did part of the closet because I wanted to unclutter it. Stuff that I don't even wear anymore, I'm keeping in the closet. I'm not even that size. I had stuff in there that were like three sizes bigger than what I am now, and they're still in my closet. I'm thinking, I want to unclutter. Well, the truth is some of us need to unclutter our minds with the stuff that is constantly distracting us from hearing from God. What is it that your mind spends most of the day dwelling on? What do you think about more than anything else? Where does your mind go as a default when it comes time for you to say, I want to hear the voice of God, but immediately your mind runs down a different route. And it's not just that we're busy. It's not just that we're distracted. It's that these distractions not only take us away from hearing the voice of God, they actually deplete our energy. They suck the life of God out of us. Uh, I say to my wife all the time when she's talking to me, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I do. I know it. Um, I know some of you guys think that uh, as a pastor, I'm OK, and uh, you look up here and you think, "Wow, Cameron,'s lucky to have you." I know none of you have ever thought that. The truth is, there are times when I say to my wife. Too much detail, I only have so much bandwidth up here, and you're exceeding my bandwidth. She's a detailed person. She keeps track of everything. She knows when your birthday is, when your anniversary She remembers the names of your kids so that when I say something stupid like your wrong kid's name the other night at the annual business meeting, my wife is dying because she knows them all. But she's telling me this stuff, and I'm thinking, you do realize, as a man, I have limited room up here. That's it. This is it. This is how much intelligence I have. Well, in the same way, we have limited bandwidth when it comes to hearing from God. And what is it that you're allowing to clutter up your mind? Um, One of the busiest times of the year, according to, uh, what is it, VIP communications, one of the busiest times of the year for phone calls, can you guess what day it is? Mother's Day, busiest time of the year. More times on Mother's Day than any other day of the year, you go and you dial the number just to say to mom, Happy Mother's Day. For my mom, Happy Mother's Day up there. Um, you, You call to say Happy Mother's Day, and you get this message. I'm sorry, all of our circuits are busy. Please try again later. And I wonder how often God gets the same message from us. All of our circuits are busy. Because we're so distracted. We're so busy. What's the busy signal in our lives? It says in verse 7, some fell among the thorns. The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And then verse 14, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the first one was the hardened soil represents a closed mind. Shallow soil represents a superficial mind. And the thorny soil represents a preoccupied or a distracted mind. You're not going to be able to hear clearly the voice of God while you're listening to Rush Limbo or watching Dr. Phil or soap operas or even sports. If you want to hear from God, just like with my wife, if I want to have a serious conversation, I have to take my laptop, close it, and set it aside so that we can actually talk. Because otherwise, we get distracted by things. We sit in a restaurant. My wife will tell you it's one of my greatest weaknesses. Is I tend to notice everything. Uh, I notice everything going around me. So while we're talking, my eyes are flipping here and there. And finally, she says, "Did you hear what I just said?" And invariably, what do I say? Yeah, I heard every word. (laughs) What did I say? And I am fighting for all I'm worth to try to remember what were those words that came out of her mouth. If you want to have a conversation with somebody and you genuinely love them and care about them, we got to give them our attention. Uncluttered. And it's the same with God. He talks about... um, this busyness that we have. And up here, there's another picture about beware of the barrenness of a busy life because so often we equate busyness with fruitfulness, but it's not. You can be busy going nowhere. You can be busy driving in circles, but it's not growth and it's not fruitfulness. He talks about the thorns, and I think there are three kinds of thorns he mentions really quickly. The first he calls cares or worries. The word that he uses there in the Greek means to brood or to be pulled in different directions. When you're worrying, when you're fretting about things, when you're chewing the mental cud, that's the biblical definition of worry. It's when you're being pulled in different directions instead of hearing a word from God and being rested in that. So the first thorn that he mentions is the cares of this life. Things begin to eat away at you. The second thing he mentions are riches. They can be a weed in your life. We can be so busy making money that we don't have time for anything else. So busy making a living, we don't really live ourselves. Uh, For so many people, life is about, uh, and I talk to them. I go down to Bud's and I sit and talk to them. Life is about dragging yourself out of bed in the morning and dragging yourself to work dragging yourself home, deader than what you started the day with, eating dinner and then going to bed and doing it all the next day. I've got to tell you, in and of themselves, none of those are bad things. Getting up in the morning's a good thing probably. I think you should probably get up in the morning. I think you should go to work. You should eat. You should have time with your family. All of that's good. But God doesn't want you just to survive this life. He actually has purpose for your life. And He wants you to live based upon that purpose and it's not merely that you can get rich it's not so you can make money it's so that you can be like your father in heaven and the last seed he mentions is pleasures pleasures and again there's nothing wrong with pleasure there's nothing wrong wrong with having fun and enjoying life that's not it's not the point the point is some people have made pleasure their god i have been a pastor we were a pastor of a church up in watertown which was right on the lake and um there would be people who all summer long would be gone from church, all summer. And their statement is, you only have this window of time, you only have so many days of sun, you have to capture every one of them. And they would be out on their boat or out sunning or out golfing or whatever it is, and that took priority in their lives, their pleasure, their comfort. What are the things that distract you from hearing the voice of God. All of it are weeds. By the way, how much effort does it take to grow weeds in your garden? Not much. It takes real effort to fight the weeds. And that's what he's talking about. And finally, we come to number four. If we want to hear the voice of God, we have to choose ahead of time to be a doer and not just a hearer of the word. Most of us want God to talk to us and then we'll decide if we're going to do what he says. We say in song, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, yes. But we have no intention of doing it. We're going to follow God as long as God does what I want him to do, as long as God serves me well, as long as God gives me what I think I need. And, again, this is not anything God has said. This is my words. But I think sometimes if I were God, I would say, why waste your breath with somebody who's not going to really listen anyways? Why talk to somebody? It's kind of like in the Old Testament where God says, you have hardness of ear. Why keep speaking? You can't hear me anyways. It says in verse 8, Others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Verse 15, The ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So we have a hardened soil represented a closed mind. Shallow soil, superficial mind. Thorny soil, preoccupied or distracted mind. And good soil represents a willing heart and mind. Notice what it says. It says, when they heard the word, they keep it. They retain it. Because they know it's going to bear fruit in their life. I love how the Living Bible, or the Message Bible rather, puts this. The Message Bible says, they seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it, until there's a harvest, they seize the word and hold on to it no matter what, sticking with it because they know it's going to yield a harvest. James says this in James one twenty two: Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's the question I want to close with, and this is your homework. So if you're taking notes, this is your homework. What are you going to do as a result of today's message? You've heard the word of God. What are you going to do about it? Don't be just a hearer. Be a doer. What are you going to do to reflect that you have heard something from God's word today? The Bible says be doers, not hearers only. Maybe you might try doing something a little bit different than what you've been doing. Maybe you might try actually starting a Bible reading program. Maybe there there are Bible reading programs out that are read the Bible for one minute a day. If that's where you're at, start there. It's better to do something than nothing. Maybe you might start a Bible reading plan. And by the way, the fact that it's not January 1st doesn't mean it's too late to start. A Bible reading plan might be a good idea. Maybe you might consider memorizing one scripture a week. Or maybe that's too much. Maybe one scripture a month. You will take all month long, and you'll just repeat that scripture to yourself again and again until you have it memorized. And at the end of the year, think about it, at the end of the year, you will have 12 scriptures you have memorized. I think that's pretty cool. So maybe you might decide to try memorizing some scripture. Or maybe for you, you might decide, you know, I sometimes get confused, I get cluttered, I get busy with other things. Maybe I need to make time to hear the voice of God through some of my friends. And you might join a life group. Our life groups are going well. Maybe it would be a great time for you to say, I'd like to connect with a life group, and you can talk to Pastor John about that, and he could help you find a life group near you that would work for you on the day that you need. But maybe you might join a life group and be able to hear God in the group and maybe even become, for some, the voice of God in that group. But my challenge is do something. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer of the word. Figure out what... what, might God want you to do? What might God challenge you to do in relationship to his word out of Luke's gospel about the sowing of the seed and the different soils or the different attitudes of heart? Would you stand with me? My challenge is don't waste the word of God. Next week, we're going to look at Ways that you can learn to discern that the voice you're hearing is really God. I've had people tell me things that it's like you can't believe that's God. Not really. You can't. Yeah, I do. I think God told me to do that. It's a sin. God never tempts us to sin. Well, there are, I believe, ways that we can know that what we're hearing is the voice of God. So that's next week. (coughs) Would you bow your heads with me? And again, just in your own heart.